It's Sunday. You know what that means. Welcome in the highly disputed here. My name is Dylan Bishop, and with me, as always, is Ryan Stickle. How's it going, Ryan? Um, you know, I'm alive, so believe it. <laughs> That's all we can really ask for sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And with us, a friend of the show, officially, since it's their, it's their second appearance, we can officially call them a friend of the show. Uh, they have a new title. We have a lot of new guests. We have a lot of returning guests with new titles lately. Uh, this is now assistant women's basketball coach for Frostburg State University, Marley McLaughlin. How's it going, Marley? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Doing well. We're doing well. So what's uh? Everyone's <laughs> everyone's leveling up. Yeah. So yeah, we had. Well, I should say we definitely did have to have you back on the show, but this this was your request. You uh you reached out to us, so it seemed like you have some stuff to say. So is that is that right? Do I have that right? Yeah, I definitely have some things to share. Some uh some loose ends to tie up. That's very oh. fair. Very fair. So as it's so, when was this? Was it like April, end of April, May, something like this? We got the news that Coach Jenna Eckleberry of the Shepherd Rams was. Moving on to Frostburg State, and it led to a whole chain of events affecting Shepherd women's basketball with people moving around and all these other sorts of things. And one of one of the consequences of that was that we we had said on the show before that we had we'd heard rumors that uh, uh, Shepherd was looking or that Coach Eckleberry was looking at Marley for her next assistant coach. And even after the move of schools. You still got the job. Um, how how did it feel to have uh, Coach Eckleberry reach out to you and be like, I want you to be my assistant coach? Uh, I mean, I felt lucky. Um, when you have the chance to learn from one of the best in the game, you take advantage of it. Uh, and I was just lucky enough, and uh, I felt honored that she wanted me next to her. I mean, after these five years, she, she still wanted me, so I guess I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> she didn't get sick of you. Yeah, not yeah. sick of you yet, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. And I imagine that's also fun be around basketball and really once it comes around a daily basis, because um, I can imagine being so involved in football for so many years and then you were suddenly just at all. That would be pretty tough. Yeah, it was crazy. It was definitely very hard after the season ended. Um, after that last game, I stayed in the locker room for the longest time because I just couldn't believe it. And I still can't believe it at times because I just think to myself right now that I'm on summer break and that I'm going back to play. But come fall, it'll be very different. That's for sure. Yeah. So when did you have you always pictured yourself coaching after you finished playing or is this something that came about like more recently? So I always knew that I was going to get into coaching. I just didn't know when or on what level I would be coaching at. Uh, I actually, I currently coach middle school softball and I mean, it's nothing compared to the college level. So when coach Eck asked me if I could come coach with her, uh, that was just a great opportunity for me on another level to create deeper connections and, and really get into coaching in such a greater aspect. Yeah. So what is so far, what have you noticed about the transition from playing to coaching? What are some of like the biggest differences so far oh so the biggest thing is definitely there's a lot less running this summer 
<laughs> you're the one you're the one that gets to make people run now exactly exactly that that's been my first thing because i've never been a fan of running but i always needed to to stay in shape and i am loving this summer not having to run do anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> um but i would say that uh, my schedule is probably a little bit busier than it was when i was a player because i'm interacting with all the players on uh, frostburg's team and getting to know them and understanding their wants uh, for this upcoming season and how we can make each player better. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of that, recruiting, uh, just being in the office at Frostburg, getting a feel for things, getting organized. In Frostburg, home, like, your look looking like? <laughs> um, so I'm currently at home right now. I'm actually sitting in the Chick-fil-A parking lot because I don't get good service at home. And it's nice <laughs> oh, <and quiet>. man. <laughs> Empty parking lot on a Sunday. It's that. <laughs> I would love some Chick Fil A. That's that true. Must be empty parking lot. The bill. <laughs> yeah, can't get anything to eat out of it on a Sunday. That's uh, that's more power to you. I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I always want Chick Fil A on a Sunday and never any other day. Me too. Yeah. So, uh, all right. You you talked about making other people. We talked about making other people run. Would you? What's your coaching philosophy? What's your coaching style? Are you the are you the hard ass coach? Or are you the good cop or are you the bad cop? I am most definitely the bad cop. Oh <laughs> I, I kind of saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> that means they're only running. <laughs> Nothing else. They're, as long as they do what they're supposed to do, they won't run. But I don't do the eye rolls or talking underneath their breath or anything like that. So they'll come to figure me out real soon. They'll learn to respect you. Yeah. They don't, you don't stand for any BS. Coach Marley does not fool around. No, no, I don't. <laughs> Well-disciplined team, man. Yes, they will be. You need that. You need that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was all kind of a wild offseason. Uh, when did how, – how did this – take us through the process of how you learned that Coach Eck was going from Shepard to Frostburg. What did she say to you? What did she have, like – uh, in terms of her decision and how it affected you and in terms of being the assistant coach, uh, what was that like for you? And just uh, interacting with the other players too from Shepard and then uh, so on. Um, so I do want to start off by saying that anything that I do say, it isn't representing the president of the university or Shepard as a whole. I'm specifically referring to the athletic department um, and, and the athletic director. So I just want to make that clear because the amount of support that we had from the president was, it was outrageous. She, she loved us. Um, and we really appreciate everything she did, but with that being said, so coach Eck, uh, I was close to, it was after the season, a little bit after the season, she went in and keep in mind that she never received a raise within the eight years that she was there. Wow. Yes. And she was making $48,000. And oh, yes. So she went in to ask for a raise and she was told that she had to go get an offer from another school. So she basically was told to go find out how much she was worth and come back and bring it to the athletic director and basically for him to counter and, and come back Um but that was the biggest mistake that anybody could have made because she liked what she saw. Um, and 
she so she went out and she was looking at two other schools um and she came back with what they offered her and they Shepard tried to come back with uh, a competing offer but I mean it wasn't even close and she understood that Shepard couldn't compete money wise with like salaries and stuff like that but she just wanted she wanted a little bit more um she wanted a more respectful counter than what she was given and she just Honestly, she really felt disrespected um, and taken advantage of. And she wanted to go somewhere where she felt wanted and appreciated. So after, I mean, coming back with this offer from this other school and liking that and then how much they just really wanted her and they were all over her and so adamant about getting her to their school. uh, It wasn't really that difficult of a decision after finding out like just like the salary base. I mean, that was a huge thing for her, but she really wanted to stay at Shepherd, and she thought that her whole career was going to be at Shepherd. Um, and wow. she, she was really upset uh, for the longest time. And I mean, she still is upset because Shepherd Shepherd was like home. There was, it was a huge community base. She loved the community. They supported us so much. Um, and it was extremely hard on her personally. Um, but in the end, I mean, she was the lowest paid PSAC coach. The average assistant made more than her. Wow. Wow. Yes. And that's, that's pretty crazy, um, you know, considering not just the, the dedication to the school or for being there year, also building such a good consistently and based on the roster build up and the look like they were going to keep consistently. Uh, and also bringing out fans, uh, no disrespect to the men's team at all. Um, there's been a pretty good stretch of games here the past or so, or like years now where um, the women's. Women. Uh, yeah. I'm not taking it on the men's side because they work. Right. Tail. The, the 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 product from the women has been awesome and so like disappointed and understandable to hear um, you know that she would go somewhere out of their way to, to show her respect just personally and <laughs> in the, the bank account but yeah professionally right yeah yeah and because that that obviously matters a lot too Shepherd is the the which would to be their coach, right? Yeah, I mean, with the reputation that I think Shepherd has as a school in general, and I guess the athletic department, it's not surprising to hear that uh, it was a money thing. I mean, our our first very first quick assumption when we heard the news was, oh, she got a pretty significant raise, is what we assumed or at least some like uh, significant enough to uproot yourself. So, and to hear that she had that Shepard had the opportunity to sort of match it and didn't is not surprising at all, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't entirely a money thing. If she was, I mean, she flat out told me when she went in to ask for a raise, if the athletic director would have turned around and gave her a raise, that would have been the end of it. She wouldn't have looked anywhere. She wasn't even thinking about the amount of money that she could be making. She just wanted something to feel appreciated, and she wasn't given that. She was told to go find out how much she's worth, and she felt really disrespected. 
Yeah, no, that happens a lot of times in like professional sports. Like the NBA, there's just about a guy every year who goes into free agency. And sometimes the most dangerous game a team can play is say, oh, well, let's let the other teams set the market for our guy so that we don't accidentally overpay him. They'll say, go out and get an offer. And a lot of times that's a way that you can, uh, just like you said with Coach Eck, it can come off as disrespectful. Like you're not willing to pay me what I think I'm worth. So you're just willing to let someone else lowball me and then you just match it. So that's, I mean, yeah. And I a lot of times you can lose teams that way. Stand there. Feature, um, in place at for things like that, but you're going to pay more. Somebody else pay, which know they're going to, because everybody else in the conference <laughs> is making more money. Um, why can you not just go ahead and give like just negotiate with her at that thing off yeah that's that just stepped in there uh just respect i guess you know maybe the procedure and they figured she's been so less, she'll just go get the offer and come back but um yeah they work out in favor yeah they, they they realized the mistake they made there yeah See, now I realize why you, uh, you were insisting on coming on here. I, uh, I could tell the way that you prefaced uh, your statement that you, had, you were about to spill some tea, but uh, now, I, now I understand. Uh, well, yeah. my thing was, like, everybody is so surprised with, you know, why she left, all this type of stuff, because Shepard, I mean, we did some pretty great things at Shepard, and she really turned that program around and built a successful program. And there was actually um, Rick Kozlowski writes for Shepherd Athletics and he wrote in the journal and he took a quote from a person and this person said, when you have a successful program, other institutions will take notice. And I, this, the article was about coach Eck leaving, but I thought it was so ironic because she was told to look elsewhere and find out how much she was worth. So I don't <laughs> want people to think that other schools reached out to her or she just looked elsewhere by herself she truly loved Shepard and she was told to go look elsewhere frame it like that it's it is it's a big distinction it's kind to make of, and it's, it's an important distinction of, it's almost <laughs> because, especially when you consider the money it makes a lot more, you consider that football program and um, money getting moved around in that can't we can't figure things women's basketball it just as a fan as a player and for coach Eck like yeah that that's (laughs) yeah and I also this all came because I had never heard from her her being disgruntled I mean like you said loves the community I mean she's always happy to walk around before and after games talking to people so um yeah, but we appreciate you sharing it with us because <laughs> it's nice to have the scoop, but it's also nice to just know personally uh, for you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to get it out there because no one really knew. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty close with Coach X, so I was like, I was, li- I was listening here through the whole process, so I got the whole take, and it was just building up and eating at me that people really didn't understand the full picture. I, I can imagine, yeah, because that 
it, it leaves so much up in the air. Mm-hmm. Like it makes you like you again, I'll compare it to there's other like free agency stories and in other sports where it's like people will assume that someone makes a decision about where they're going to uh, work based on one thing. But you you never know the true intentions of a person until unless you know them personally. Right. So, yeah. And especially at the division two level for coaching, it's not a level where the money is all interchangeable. Like you said, the, the mo- amount of money coach Eck was making at Shepard getting a, you know, ten twenty thousand dollar raise whatever it may be is significant at that uh, level it's not like an nba coach it's like oh i can make two million dollars at this school or uh, or this team or i can make three million dollars with this other team and it's that's when you start taking into consideration you know a lot more at least your roots and stuff like that and uprooting things and uh not wanting to upset the apple cart or whatever but at this level it's it's a job if you get a if you get a raise you're you know you are going to go and take it if it makes the most sense for you. Mm-hmm. It's her livelihood. Yep. Right. Well, I'll, I'll also add, like, even if there was nothing to do with anything, Prosper comes and for more money, and she says, make more, and she just does it all. There's also nothing wrong with that. Either. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are you going to tell her to just refuse more money? Um, but with, I don't see how anybody could about her decision and say a lot of the you know people know the reason obviously i don't think anybody really did but i I thought there was a good amount of support um i kind of realized hey another opportunity um you know and and people trust her obviously the program making that decision for herself um realized that she was a, a better opportunity Right. Yeah. So, all right. Now that we got that spilled, uh, we can maybe move on and look to the future a little bit and ask and get a couple questions in here. I do have one more thing. Okay. Yeah. Go okay. for it. I'm full of full of things to say. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Dylan, you talked a few weeks ago, um, with some other guys, and you had the the new shepherd coach on. Um, you just asking questions and stuff like that. And one guy said that the program right now was what Coach Eck was going to be challenged with if she was still there. Um, but I do not agree with that. Yes, what, you were, you're referring to uh, the sports mix on WRNR and TV 10. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, I mean, no one was in the portal until Coach Eck told the team she was leaving. So you still had these big players, Jordan Smith, Abby Beeman, uh, McKenzie, Megan. I mean, all these kids were still on the team, not like going into the portal or anything like that. And as soon as she told them, they all got into the portal. Um, but another thing is with me and Sydney Clayton leaving, there's so much scholarship money that just opened up in order to get another stud player to come in, another scorer. Um, and then my last thing with that was that I mean, you have Emily Weekly coming in, and she is all-time leading scorer in Virginia. So it's not like Shepard, you know, we, they were going to be terrible or anything like that. Um, Shepard had a lot going for them. You still had these key players, Jordan, Abby, Megan, McKenzie. I mean, you still had big players coming back to Shepard. And it's, it really is a shame how everything played out 
um, because Kojak would have still been there and all these players potentially would have still been at Shepard and continued that women's basketball legacy. Yeah, actually, yeah. When I had looked into, uh, I was talking to Coach Josh Medina that what you were planning on being the successor of at Shepard, and I asked him about recruiting, and once he told me about Emily Weekly and I looked into her, I would thought, this is exactly what they need to replace Marley and Sid with because it kind of just – it was the one piece of the puzzle that kind of made everything the, – the team kind of hold back together again. It's like, all right, there's Abby and this other, you know, tall, versatile scorer that can fit into the slot. You can, you can, you can slide Jordan into a bigger role and this and that. And I, I really was looking forward to that team that could have been put together with, with Abby and Emily. Mm-hmm. I was too. I was too. I will say that. And my audio, I lost a bit of a connection for a second, so I'm not sure if you maybe mentioned it real quick or not, but we had Abby on the show, and um, she even said um, yeah, that, that once once Coach X decided to leave, that was really kind of what sparked her interest because, you know, obviously that she signed up to be with Coach Eckleberry, um, and that was going to, you know, she was going to ride it out Shepard. She loves Shepard, but she said, you know, things are changing here. There's going to be turnover on the rest of the roster. So I might as well just see what, see what's out here. And, you know, Mar- Marshall came knocking and that's hard to turn down and going to play D1 ball. So, yeah, um, it's actually a very, very similar to coach. Eck, it sounds like, because I think there was someone on the sports mix who I'm not going to throw under the bus because I don't remember exactly who said it. Uh, but they kind of, it, they were under the assumption that Abby kind of might, may have made this sort of decision regardless of whether Kochak was uh, coming or going, you know, staying or leaving. But like you said, Ryan, she kind of said that it was something on Shepard's end that was the spark that ignited. It was the impetus for her to look for greener pastures. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if they heard her interview or if, you know, it was ever mentioned to them. Um, But, I mean, she pretty much flat out said, like, like, yeah, maybe she was she had thought about it, obviously. Like she 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 understands as as humble as she is, how good she is, and that she, maybe she could get some D one offers that we you know, now in the transfer portal. Um, but she, I mean she flat out said, you know, Coach Eck left and then that kind of just prompted me to see what was out there because <laughs> you know, you you're signing up to play for one coach and once that changes it's it's open season exactly right so speaking of speaking of emily weekly and others involved uh frostburg state we can look forward now frostburg has three players coming in who were planning to be on uh coach eckleberry's uh roster at shepherd uh with emily weekly olivia, olivia tollin and the transferring mckenzie freeze so marley tell us about what you're looking forward to with the uh, Frostburg State team coming up this year. Um, I'm excited. Honestly, I think you'll see a little bit of Shepard over at Frostburg when it comes to Mackenzie and Emily and Kochek. <laughs> Olivia, honestly, coming in and the style of play and systems and, and things like that. Um, but Olivia and Emily both decommitted when they heard Coach Eck wasn't going to be at Shepard anymore. Um and Olivia Tallon, I mean, she came on, she came on her visit and she, she left and she turned right back around. 
she said that she got to the interstate and she committed right then and there and said that she doesn't want to play for anybody else. She knows she wants to play for Coach Eck. Um, Emily went on a couple of Division One visits and uh, she committed and she said she didn't want to play for anybody else either. And I mean, Mackenzie following Coach Eck as well. It just it really shows uh, how great of a person Coach Eck is. Um, not only person, but as a coach for these players to follow her, to pick up and go to this other school. I mean, I, I came to Shepherd because of Coach Eck, and I was just one of the examples. But right here in the, in the mix of everything, that's these are great examples to show, um, to Coach Eck's credit, how great of a coach and person she is. And I think it'll be really cool to be able to coach these girls, even though, like, not at Shepherd and stuff like that, Frostburg. Uh, new beginnings, new opportunities, and we're we're really excited to get everybody there. I mean, we have to wait one more one more year for Olivia, but we're really excited to see what the future holds at Frostburg. We can just call them. Uh, we can jokingly call them the Frostburg State Rams, at least for <laughs> like at least for a year yeah. or two. At least for a year <laughs> or two, and then they'll they'll be their own fully formed roster. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <I love> that. <laughs> yeah, it really it really is a credit to Coach Eck and her recruiting that all these players want to just come play for her no matter where she is, basically. Because Mackenzie, especially to me, because when these transfers started coming and it seemed I saw that uh, Sydney Bowles had put herself in the transfer portal, uh, it seems like eventually seemed decided to stay. And then Abby was in the portal and, and all these other things. There was Ryan and I and even some other guys over at, you know, WRNR and uh, WEPM were talking about who would stay, who would go. And to me, I always came back to, well, Mackenzie will stay. Mackenzie will stay because she's very involved in, the, in the, some of the clubs at Shepherd. And uh, as long as Sydney Bowles is there and this and that. But then seeing Mackenzie transfer to Frostburg State, that's the one that's really, to me, it's like, wow, Coach Eck. Really, people really want to play for Coach Eck. Yeah, I mean, I, you hit, a, hit the nail right on the head. Uh, Mackenzie, that was one of the biggest things that was tying her back to Shepard was um, FCA, her involvement in FCA and um, the academic side of everything. And sh- she did a lot outside of basketball at Shepard. So she was the one that we tried to show her other opportunities that she could create. So she's going to be running FCA at Frostburg as well. Um, and we're trying wow. to get involved with that. Yes, that was a big thing for her. And she, she just really needed to see the academic side of things. Um, and that it is a farther drive for her as well. Um, but it, yeah. it really does come back to Coach Eck. <laughs> Sounds like she really negotiated a good deal there. <laughs> yeah, she really her. I'll get to, I'll run everything like I, like I did here. And uh, <laughs> yeah, all set. I'm telling you, I've been a great recruiter. I've been wheeling and dealing. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get these girls. The art of the deal. Yep. The all Nick right, Saban so. of... Uh, D2 women's athletics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What can you tell you? What can you tell us about what Frostburg already has on the roster that, that isn't coming over from Shepard? So we don't have um, much size. Um, I mean, we have some, some taller girls, but not, you know, anything very dramatic, like six, three or anything like that. Um, six, three, six, four, but we have a lot of guards. So we have a lot of athleticism. And which means we're going to be running up and down the court. We want to get up and down. Um, we have, so there's this girl, Maggie Sharp. She was a division one transfer from Towson. 
Um, she was there last year. We actually, we played against her, um, when I played for Shepard and, um, she's a shooter. So we have, we have a bunch of, we have shooters, we have slashers, we have great rebounders. Um, Cece is another girl. She, she does the little things. Um, she brings a calmness to the floor. Um, Re, Cindy Clayton actually played with Re in high school, I believe. I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and she, she's a great player and she's very dominant. Um, rebounding the ball, uh, putting the ball back up, offensive rebounds, stuff like that. Um, and it goes down the line. Like each player has their own little piece to the puzzle. And we're just going to do our best to develop these players more individually so we can grow better as a team. And that's our overall goal right now. I guess we'll just have to add um, Frostburg to the list now because we we added Marshall. We got to go see Abby play. And I guess now we got to go see Frostburg, which does bring me to my next question. I know at least I checked recently there hasn't been a schedule made or or anything made public. Um, but I do know that uh, Frostburg and Shepard have played some out-of-conference games on um, the past couple years. Is there anything in the works for, for a Shepard versus Frostburg matchup, as far as you're aware, that you can tell us about? So, yes, there is. I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're still finalizing the schedule right now. I actually have a, a mock-up draft right now, and there's a few things that we're trying to get finalized. But, yes, we are definitely playing Shepard. In the beginning of the season. So tune in. Come to Frostburg. It's going to be at Frostburg. We'd love to have you guys there to come out and watch both teams hit it head on. I will. Uh, <laughs> I'll come wearing uh, Shepherd gear, but my heart will be torn during that game. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a chance I'll be working that game for, uh, for TV 10. So I might, I might be there regardless. Thanks. So no, no, uh, no cheering for, for Dylan. Strictly uh, business. <laughs> yeah maybe you guys can uh get together an exhibition preseason game with marshall you can <laughs> you can have Abby <laughs> come up mm-hmm. that'd be cool that'd be a fun game you get cal I mean, pa that, on the schedule happens. too get jordan that happens uh-huh <laughs> all right so ryan do you have any other questions for marley before we get into what we have to ask all of our guests uh <laughs> no i think uh, i think we got to it all and i mean she she gave us everything and more here um more than i expected really sure. really the 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 juicy details um yeah that, that we all kind of maybe were hoping for so yeah we need to become a gossip podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so the question that we've uh we've developed now since since your last time on the show that we now uh, try to ask all of our guests your top five fast food restaurants now you're sitting outside of a chick-fil-a right now so do you know i don't know if is is number one going to be Chick Fil A? Number one is Chick Fil A. I think that was also my number one. If I had to think of that, you just it's up there. Strong. It's just it's very good. It's strong. Mm-hmm. It's a strong it, choice. Mm-hmm. Chick Fil A also shines. I mean, the food it's it's consistent. It's good, and the customer service is just fantastic. And that, mm-hmm. and no other place has it like that. So right, it's always their pleasure. It <laughs> every time, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. You you have you have any you have four more you can round out here. You don't have to put them yeah. in order or anything. Okay. Um, if you have it in order, just lay it on us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so my second favorite would probably be Chipotle. A little bit healthier. Okay. Besides my the okay. rest of my things that I got in my head. Um, so so you don't separate it out from like 
some people will say like, oh, that's a fast casual restaurant, not a fast food restaurant. They call it Chipotle a fast casual? Yeah, because there's like no drive through. You got to go in, wait in the line, you know. Uh, you've never been through the drive through? You can do pickup. That... No. That's true. I'm just saying that's, that's a distinction some people will make. That's when we had a, a whole fast food conver- uh, episode of this podcast here, we, we, went th- we, we laid out that argument. Mm-hmm. I, I can see it. Okay. But I don't, I don't, I don't hate including it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so third, probably Popeye's. I'm stuck with, between Popeye's and McDonald's for my third place. Mm, Popeye's is in my top two for sure. Yeah? Yeah, it's, just, it's the best chicken. Fantastic it is. chicken. It is. And good sides. Yeah. yeah. And then the fries. I mean, I always love Checkers fries. So Popeye's fries, I mean, mm. they're so good too. Um, this is somewhat they see not everyone talks about the checkers fries oh my god they get they're they're underrated they're so good oh i love them i love them so much um but i mean me and hannah's favorite thing at school was to go to mcdonald's and get a coke a coke a coke that was really all we needed like a little midnight pick me up was a large coke from mcdonald's the McDonald's the McDonald's soft drink fountain is just a, a different level. It's I gotta agree with you. The McDonald's Coke. I don't know what the McDonald's does because, like, obviously everybody, you know, McDonald's Sprite's the whole thing. McDonald's Coke is really good in its own way that you can't really find anywhere else. No. Mm-mm. So I'm I'm definitely gonna agree with you on that. I also thought of something for this fast casual restaurant debate. Um, I think. Pretty much all fast food restaurants on the menu, they have numbers. You go, let me get a number two, a number oh. five, whatever. If you go to like Five Guys, Chipotle, um, there's a few others, but they, they don't really have numbers. It's, it's more of a proper menu. Oh, fast casual then. Fast casual. Uh-huh. That's interesting. That's not something I had thought of. That's a, that's a good thought there. I haven't thought of that either. So now, Jersey on. Mike's has numbers on their subs, and I would call Jersey Mike's fast casual. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah, we're really starting to muddy the waters there. We're, <laughs> we're, go, we're in too deep. All right, what's your, what's your number five, Marley? You got, a, you got one that makes the list, or is it hard to narrow down that fifth one? So this one, it's not so much on the chicken side. I mean, I was thinking KFC, um, but Popeyes. I definitely picked Popeyes over KFC. So I went with Subway as my number five. Okay. Ah, what's your go-to Subway order? So go to I love a good ham and cheese. Cold though, I don't like warm ham and cheese. Um, Agreed. Yep, lettuce, yeah. pickle, and mayonnaise. That's it. Plain Jane. Oh, there he is. Perfect timing from our second guest. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get a little bit of interaction before Marley. Before oh, Marley man. exited the call. Marley, do you see who has just joined the chat here? Avery, hello. <laughs> hello, Marley. It's uh. It's good to talk. It's good to be on uh, Highly Disputed, finally. Oh, my God. Yes. This is your first time, right? It is my first it is. time. Yeah, yes, this is, for, the, for those who are uninitiated, this is the voice of uh, Shepherd, Shepherd Sports uh, play-by-play on the, uh, the PSAC Digital Network. This is Avery Newport, also of WRNR and TV10. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, uh, we actually just got done doing a game today for R&R Dylan, so, you know, we're... Uh, we're doing the local broadcasting grind, man. It's great. It really I, is. I see Marley just exited the chat. Uh, <laughs> not sure if that was intentional or uh, or not, but I think uh, I think we became too powerful. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Avery, man, might have, 
Avery joined, and it was suddenly like the end of. We weren't ready for the crossover of the century yet, (laughs) I suppose. So. That maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Avery. What's going on, guys? How's it going? Yeah, we didn't get a proper send off from Arlie, but uh, thanks, thanks to her for joining us. And you'll have to listen back to this episode when we posted Avery because she she spilled the tea. Oh Oh, yeah. All right. Well, you got to fill me in. I mean, I haven't heard this tea yet. So. uh... Oh yeah. Let's yeah. We just get Avery's take on it. All right. Uh, so essentially, I can. I can, I can uh, oh, oh, there she is. There she is. I didn't think it was intentional. I there got she is. Cut She's out. back. <laughs> we were like, "Wow, did she leave on purpose?" No, so it was too powerful. No, the, the universe the couldn't handle the the highly disputed Marley McLaughlin Avery Newport crossover. I mean, that duo is just elite. You can't you can't beat it. All right, yeah, the crossover is back. We're back. We Shepherd Sports Media cornered here. <laughs> yeah, we really we've gotten we've gotten all the we've hit all the markets here. We've we are the voices. We've hit WRNR. We've hit highly disputed. We've hit the uh, the play by play, and and the players. Just that product on the court. We got it all. But anyway, we can we can let it come straight from Marley's mouth here. Marley, quickly the 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 whole. Yeah, we, I want to get Avery's Avery's uh, reaction to the to this what you've told us. Oh wow! Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. we can. Yeah. yeah. Cliff notes of Coach Eck and not believing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So hmm, let me make this quick. Quick for you, Avery. <laughs> she had a lot to say, so it might be <laughs> might be tough. You can listen back. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. Um. So she basically she asked for a raise. And she hadn't asked for one in eight years. She was making $48,000 at Shepard. And she was told to look elsewhere to shop around, find out how much she's worth, and come back with that offer. And Shepard would see what they could do. And they tried to come back and um, they tried to come back and counter the offers that she was given. And they couldn't come close. Um, for them to come close or match it, she just wanted a more respectful counter. Um, that kind of represented, you know, what she did for the program and for Shepherd Athletics, and yeah, sure. she wasn't really given that respect. Um, and she she really felt um, unappreciated. I mean, this whole past season, I didn't say this to my other two amigos, but she really felt um, she felt disrespected. I mean, the entire season, the lack of support from the athletic department, stuff like that. That was that was a big factor as well. Um, so it, it was, it was a lot that played into this and it was very hard for coach Eck. I will right. say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Like I, I totally understand where she's coming from there because, you know, the women's program set all kinds of records last year. I mean, you know, like I, I totally get where she's coming from that, you know, she expects to be a little more respected around campus and within the athletic department. Uh, I, I hate to burst your bubble here, Marley, but I actually kind of knew that information, um, from some of my own shepherd sources that she was, uh, yeah, she was looking around and shepherd was, was kind of encouraging her to try and find a deal that they could match and it didn't come. So yeah, it's, it's disappointing, honestly, because, uh, coach Eck did a lot for this program at shepherd. She really turned them around and made them a perennial contender. She guided them through the conference change to the PSAC. Um, so, yeah, it's disappointing that she's not there anymore. But you know what? Um, I think she's going to do well at Frostburg. I think, you know, she can build up a program. That's what she did, Shepard. So definitely interested to see what she does there. But, um, 
Yeah, very disappointing end at uh, at Shepherd, no doubt about it. Man, Avery with the sources there. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, he scooped us. He yeah, could, hey, he could have broken these. I got my own sources too. Now, come on. Yeah, <laughs> Marley laid out some more details of it, but yeah, Avery had it. Yeah, I guess he was technically employed by them is that what you would call it calling the games i mean they never paid me i was uh (laughs) (laughs) i mean if you count uh, getting paid in experience you know i guess that's that's uh, what i was paid companies love to do that yeah yeah you know that's uh work (laughs) yeah Yeah. i i kind of i don't know it was good experience and i'll start by saying that that you know i i called games for three years and you know, they gave me a chance at 19 to, to call games just kind of on a, you know, super short notice. Um, it was actually, it started because WR&R, Dylan, um, when they were calling Shepherd games, they had some openings in their schedule. And uh, there are a few games that they couldn't make. And so the athletic department asked me if I wanted to do it. So that's kind of how I got started. And I kept doing it for three years, you know. But, um, hmm. yeah, never got paid for it. Just did it for experience, did it so I could, you know, have stuff to make into a professional reel, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah. We, well, yeah. it was, it was great having you on there because I, I thought you were really good. Um, you turn on a lot of these other broadcasts for these schools and, um, and I, it's a hard job. I don't want to take shots at anybody trying to get some experience in college, but, um, a lot of them, they, they didn't have the, the, the same polished feel that you did on your broadcast. So I will commend you for <laughs> jumping in there and, and, and pretty much handling the role the, as, as best as anybody else in the conference, at least. Oh, thanks, Ryan. That means a lot. And, um, yeah, I mean, I also didn't have a, a color commentator, you know, throughout my time there either. So Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, there were times when I just, you know, couldn't really think of much to say or – um, you know, how to fill time during the broadcast. But I think basketball is a little bit easier of a sport to call because there's not as much dead time. You know what I mean? Like the ball's always moving for the most part, especially like with Shepard, they played a pretty fast paced style. So you were never really looking for a ton of uh, time to fill with them. But I called other sports too. I mean, I called baseball. I only did one baseball game. Um, but I still count it, you know, um, I did lacrosse, women's lacrosse for the, uh, 2021 season. Oh, let's see. I did softball. So volleyball as well. So I got some experience in other sports. Um, but basketball is by far the, the best sport to call number one. Cause you know, the basketball team, especially the women's team was the best team that we had when I was doing games. And, um, you know, I know basketball the best out of all the other sports. Like, I'm a baseball fan. Um, I grew up in Baltimore, so I know a little bit about lacrosse as well. But basketball is the best sport to call. Like, absolutely, no doubt. How about that Orioles winning streak, huh? Eight straight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, geez. Like, it's nice. They're only a game under. First time they've been relevant uh, in, you know, five, six years now, which is kind of sad considering that they're not even a winning team yet, but you know, I'll take it. It's great. We yeah. went on uh we went Friday night and it was like the best game. One of the best games I've ever been to. So, yeah, yeah. man, I heard look, look very fun. Yeah. All right. Avery, I'm going to, I'm going to ask something of you real quick. 
try sure. to drop out of the call real quick because it's telling Marley that our call is full for some reason. And we just oh. want to get her back in, just say goodbye and send her her well wishes. And then we'll, we'll get you back in. Yeah. Okay. Jeez. Or at least we'll have her join back and then see if you can join <laughs> also. Sure. Yeah. All right. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll step out here for a second. See if you can fix that. All right. All Thank right. you. Thank you, sir. All right. Wait, so you're trying, are you, are you saying we're not all in the same room right now recording this? Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, it, it, we just really broke down the fourth wall. Oh man. Uh, geez. Uh, geez. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean drop out? I don't know what that means. Uh, we're on this, we're on the radio booth. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We're all in this very echoey room together that where everyone sounds a little different somehow. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. I don't know the room I'm in. I don't know why it has the echo it does, but it, it, it just kind of does. It's carpeted. All right. There she is. There's stuff here, but Hey guys, this app hates me. Uh, now she's now she's doing it. Now she's breaking kayfabe. We were just talking about how we're all here, sitting here in the same room. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, sitting right across the table from me. Yeah, yep. she just she got uh, sunk. She sunk into the floor real quick mm-hmm. there for a at, second at Chick Fil A. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so we got you in here real quick. Just thank you for your time, Marley. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it's been good. We got all the, the, the good info that apparently Avery was keeping from us the whole I time. I know. Um, but you, yeah. did, you, you brought a little bit more of a, a personal uh, perspective there. Um, you know, you, you were in direct contact with her and how she was feeling. So you, you, you did give us a little extra, a little extra spice on top of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I was going for. A little spice, a little pizzazz. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So that's that's all we... That's all we need from you. So you can you can go ahead and uh, drive home. <laughs> Make my way home now. <laughs> yeah, you can, you, you can, yeah, you can stop sitting alone in the uh, the Chick-fil-A parking lot. <laughs> I wish they were open. You can go next door and grab like whatever's around you. McDonald's. McDonald's. Ah, there you number go. four. Nice. <laughs> number four. Number four, large Coke. Yeah, large number four. Coke. Number four on the list. Get the number four, whatever that is. I don't yes. know. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Quarter pounder. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Probably. Anyway. Yeah. Good talking to you. Yes, but thank you guys for having me. I really do appreciate it. Um, but I better be seeing you at at least one Frostburg game, whether it's against Shepard or not. Just one, at least one. We'll make it happen. Deal. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys again. Yes, thank you, Mark. Anytime. All righty. Bye. Yep. That's Marlon McLaughlin, everybody. Assistant women's basketball coach at Frostburg State University. Uh, number four all-time leading scorer in Shepherd women's basketball. Uh, she's up there. I can't remember the number exactly. But I think she ended up at four. I think. <laughs> I think all the big three were like somewhere. Or I, I think. Or, or I think she's number five because I think I was mapping it out that it was like if Abby had stayed all four years, the big three would have ended up one, three, and f- one, three, and four all time. Man. Yeah. Behind, because Sid is number two behind Morgan Arden. Yep. And I think Marley is sitting at number three, three or four, something like that. I remember because I I talked to uh, Sid Clayton about this, and I was telling her about how, like, I was just bored at work one day and added up, uh, I was adding up, because her career totals weren't, like, added up after every game. That wasn't accurate on the school site yeah, it was just... 
PDF that was on there. It really was. Yeah, it was like it a PDF like a updated at like before the start of this season, and so I was sitting there. It's like I went and checked her scores and also like her career numbers compared to like what her freshman year said. It was like there was it was off. There was like actually two totals for what her career numbers were. It was like well she either has this many or she has like thirty less or like eighty less. Uh, I think it was because. Uh, the COVID games, the two COVID games weren't counted in mm. the one part, the one part of the website, but they were in the other. Um, as we are now getting more issues with letting getting Avery back in here, <laughs> of course we are. Uh, um, so it, 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 this was smooth sailing for a while, but you know it really was. There was a um. I did hear a cop car at one point. I don't. I don't know if that was you or Marley. That was outside my. That was outside my house. I live very close to a five twenty two. Okay, so I was like, well, she is in a car just out and about, so it could be her. Um, I had some yelling in the background of mine. I don't know if you guys could hear that. Uh, it, at your house, I didn't hear that. I don't think. Okay, that's good. Yeah, they're downstairs. They're like playing video games or something. So I was like, oh, <laughs> but the iPhone's pretty good at like. Just getting the audio close proximity. Yeah. Filtering All right. The, uh, so actually, what we can do here in a second is, in a second is I'm gonna cut this one off, and I'm gonna just because I can add a new clip to this. I'll just cut okay. this one off, hit finish recording, and then we'll with the magic of editing, add in a new clip. Magic. All right. So it'll probably drop us out, Ryan. But see you on the other side. <laughs> okay. Oh, hey, it's Ryan Stickle. Hey, um, yeah. No. <laughs> nope, nothing happened, and uh, everything is just A-OK. Same uh, exact podcast. Yeah. So how about the Orioles? Oh, my God. They, I mean, hottest team in baseball, and it's, it's, they don't have work. Yeah, the prospects are coming up. Um, at least the lineup is. The, yeah, the people, the, the guys that the runner getting it done. Pitch is just that very like awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like they're enough, and the offense has been good enough, and you know they they get some late hits here and there, especially um, on Friday in the ninth inning, coming back from four two. And yeah, um, I imagine it's no counter this, but yeah, if you can kind of hundred, being tough from there, a shot at a wild card spot later. Right, like the game that we went to on Friday against the Angels, it was kind of the perfect experience for that baseball game. Because we got, because when you go into it, I think when we ordered the tickets, they were not on any sort of streak. They, I think they had just started becoming like, oh, the Orioles are actually kind of a good bit better than they were last year. Yeah, they were kind of, and I think 24 was about as bad as the record had gotten. Um, they eked a little closer to 500 at some points, but then, you know, they kind of falter about. Uh, and then they turn. A bit of a 
start, but that was mostly due to bad work. And and once things leveled up for him, um, between him hitting and the value behind the plate, and also just everyone around <laughs> better, uh, guys like Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes, uh, their bullpen's been great. It's, it's They've just been really solid baseball. Uh, they're really getting blown out. And then uh, this past week, uh, on every single day of the week and today. So they're on eight, eight straight. Uh, I got a day off. I got the Cubs. Um, All-Star break will be coming up next week, I believe. So you figure. Yeah, the yes, it is. Yes. You figure you can, you have a pretty good shot here. Even with a loss or two, you get to the All-Star break um, at 500. And for the that, um, could assume they're going to lose a hundred games. Still could, uh, certainly different pace now than they were. Yeah, like uh, what I was uh, going to get on with that was that the reason it was like the perfect sort of game to go to was that we got when you go to well, like I was going to say was when we they were kind of starting to seem like a more fun team than usual, but we decided we wanted to go to. Uh, game against the Angels. It was firework night. It was floppy hat night. And it was also against the Angels, which is the one other team. And it's like, if I could have picked any team to go see the Orioles play, it would have been, oh, hey, there's Avery. Hey, he's hey. been here the whole time, actually. He just hasn't been talking to us about the Orioles. <laughs> uh, he's just been very silent. Yep. But what I was saying was, we kind of picked the perfect game to go to because we said it was fireworks night, floppy hat night, and if I could pick any team to see the Orioles against, it'd be the Angels because that's the one team. If you ask me, who do I want to see play? I want to see Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. And we got that perfect game because the Angels' only runs in that game were a three-run home run by Mike Trout and a solo shot that's dead center field by Otani. And then the Orioles <laughs> go and make this incredible comeback that is just peak baseball. It almost it like awake reawakened my like love of baseball that I had as a kid because like I hadn't watched a lot of it in a long time. And when I would watch it like in recent years and be like, man, this game's so slow, man, it's such a slow sport, this and that. And, but it was like watching those last three innings, it was just tension cranked up to 11. It was just totally on the edge of your seat, especially in the ninth inning, got down to the last strike three different times, three different batters. And they go and make that comeback. What was really crazy they were down four. Um, eighth inning, nobody on, and they ended up coming back without hitting any home runs. Just it was just a lot of at bats back to back. Like it was yeah, just like doubles. Today's baseball is is all home runs, um, and we saw that from the Angels um, today and all this week. Really, they can run now and then. But they're not doing that. Orioles are kind of playing the way that a lot of teams aren't these days, where it's kind of just holding or nothing. Uh, they, they're actually kind of on, on them, just put the ball in play and get a hit here and there. Um, so it's, it's funny because they are a analytic team. Um, they, they're, they're left on it. Um, some <laughs> they're hitter you're a great hitter you can kind of pick and place the ball um yeah, even with the shift 
it should also be banned. Yeah. Avery, are you pro banning the shift? No, I am. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the shift. I've always liked the shift. I, I don't think you should ban it because it's, it's strategy, you know? Like, I, I think if you're a defense and you know that a guy can only hit to one side of the field, then why shouldn't you be allowed to do that? Like, in any other sport, you're allowed to have a defensive strategy that takes advantage of your opponent's, you know, greatest weakness. You know what I mean? Like, you're allowed to change formations in football. You're allowed to run zone defense in basketball. Like, you're allowed to do these kinds of things. I feel like it takes a lot away from a strategy standpoint when you ban the shift. Um, You know, like, if you know somebody can't hit to a certain part of the field, why not take advantage of that? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's a part of the game, and – uh yeah i don't know i i don't think it should be should be removed i would say i i agree with you kind of in a way like if the shift is going to be legal you should absolutely use it it's smart baseball yeah the percentages will tell you football on almost every time so play (laughs) put a put your third base and then whatever it might be um it one of those changes it almost becomes like something for a stick (laughs) very comes to the point where it's like i can hardly watch a game um that isn't involved in my not the quality of play is bad it's like you just have a little single to right field don't have a roller up the middle um, we're kind of losing pieces of baseball that made it great. And there's just, and I get the games being played at a much higher level. Um, like baseball is all getting better in quality, but um, I think not necessarily banning, somehow limited. At the very least, you have, you know, pretty much on the end. Like, I think we, just for, place guys because um i i'm i've never been honest having the guy in right field even i'm for it but the fact you can do that to that extreme and if you look back at a guy like chris davis hitting a home run he was probably still around on the roster if he could still just hit that ball through the so I agree it should be constructive, but um I'm I'm here for the aesthetic right now. Yeah, Avery, you made a lot of good, logical, rational points that make a lot of sense, but counterpoint, I don't like it. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the only reason you need, you know? Like you don't like it, that's that's cool. Yeah. That's really all it is. <laughs> Disputed. Yeah. <laughs> you're highly disputed we don't uh we don't go by logic or reason we go purely exactly. based on vibes you know see avery this is his first time on the show and he already gets it he, hey come on man you know you know me i've show. listened before trust me they see there you go so we see uh, <laughs> there was a there was a little controversy one of the first times that i uh came over to uh one of the fields we were at 
for a baseball game. Uh, we were working for TV 10. Uh, this wasn't Avery that, I don't, that brought it up. I believe it was our, our good pal, Nick Verzellini. It was like, why has Avery Newport never been on the, on highly disputed? Yeah. And it was like, Oh boy, that's an oversight on our part. Hasn't it? <laughs> it's been, yeah. it's been an oversight. It's honestly pretty well. I'd say outside of the two of us who talk about that we do um, outside of people, obviously who are playing or coaching boards, um, never had him yet. Definitely massive. Or like, he's less of a guest than more of just like a third host. Yeah. It was wow. one of those, th- it's one of those things where it's like, I knew Avery, but I didn't, I didn't know if I knew, I didn't know him enough to like always think of him when we thought of like good people to have on the show because he would have been a great person to have on the show the entire time. But we did like, and I didn't realize how, uh, how much that we were interconnected. I was telling, I was actually after our game that we worked today, I was telling Avery these stories. I was like, Oh yeah. My, uh, my senior year roommate was this really uh, weird eclectic, uh, eclectic guy who uh, hated spoons and, uh, always had to leave the shower curtain open, <laughs> and uh, we had him on the show one time. We just talked to him about stuff like that and like his favorite letters of the alphabet. And I was like, "Yeah." And he was uh, he was vice president of BSU for a time. And Avery goes, "Oh, Chris." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, "Oh, <laughs> we've been... Avery's Avery's been a he's he's been in the circle. He just uh, he's been on the outside looking in." I'm t- it's, it's we're like. The crossover in here because of us know some of the others we and like he 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 was in one of Chris's movies. Chris was in on the we're all here in it. Yeah, the I mean the highly the highly disputed end game uh, would uh it would be too chaotic. Yeah. We're in the us. SCU, the Shepherd Cinematic Universe. You know, <laughs> SCU. It all connects. Yeah, SoCal uncensored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that how many people would that be? That'd be like twenty five people at least. Like you'd have to have the the basketball players, the uh, the bucket of buds members, the uh, the the WEPM guys. The I mean, there's there's just so much. There would be so much happening there. That, be a and it was cast, or would it be like oh, save the universe? <laughs> it could be both at the same time. Okay, yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, throw both of them in there. You know. Yeah, I think off the air we should. Th- this is this is more of an exercise for off the air, but the uh, uh, or a different episode where we think about who would be the most interesting uh, crossover. Two two guests, two people that have been on highly disputed. Uh, who would make the most interesting interactions between them? <laughs> so we'll have to. Yeah, uh, we'll see if, if... that would be an would be an exercise for another time. But uh, let's see, Avery, what are, what are your Orioles takes so that you feel like getting off? Oh God! I mean, I don't know. This season kind of has very um, 2005 vibes to me, in the sense that the Orioles were good right up until the All Star break, and then at the end of that 2005 season, they completely fell apart. And I'm really, really praying, hoping that. Um, they can kind of keep it up here and and not uh, disintegrate towards the end of the season, uh, which I guess they're not all that similar because that team back then was in first place in the AL East for most of the year. 
and the Orioles have not been in first at any point. Um, no, no, I just get that sense though. Like, in fact, they you have know, been they're in. they're getting a little too good. You know, <laughs> I'm kind of kind of worried. I don't know if this is throwing their rebuild off track by uh, being this close to 500. It was a uh, it's a five year rebuild that's uh, that's turning into like a three year rebuild. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, I feel like there's always not. a point where a team like there kind of has to be. I mean, just like you said, Dylan, like most rebuilds have kind of a year limit on them. You know, like at some point, a team goes out and signs a couple of quality like major league players, and that's kind of the signal to the rest of the league that like, all right, they're kind of coming out of the rebuild. They're trying to compete. They're trying to win now. And I feel like they made a couple of those moves this year. Like they signed a couple of major league experienced players like uh, Rugnet Odor and, you know, a couple other guys like that. So I think that was kind of the signal that, all right, they actually might try and be competitive this year. And at the same time, that was coinciding with, you know, a lot of the guys in the farm system getting ready to come up to the big league team, uh, which, you know, culminating in Adley Rushman's debut this year. So I think they kind of entered this year thinking like they might not be a, you know, 110 loss team again. And they're certainly not looking like that right now, but it's too early, I think, to really make any kind of uh, assumptions about what they're going to look like come August, September. You know, they're they're on a hot streak now, but it's a week before the All-Star break. And given how tough the AL East is, you know, I think this is kind of the – this is probably the peak level of happiness that I think I will feel as an Orioles fan. <laughs> and, again, they, they could certainly prove me wrong. I would gladly, gladly love to be proven wrong about this team. But I don't know. I mean, you know, come August, September, they're going to have to, you know, go up against – New York and Boston and Tampa and Toronto, all of which are playoff quality teams. And they just, they don't fit in that picture to me. I hate to be a pessimist, but you know, they've got to, they've got to make some kind of miracle push towards the end to really even be in that conversation. Yeah. Cause really it's like the lineup is like six guys who are pretty, who are good hitters. Adley is just kind of, turning into that sixth guy now and then it's the the bottom the the bottom of the lineup is pretty rough and then you have a handful of pitchers who are you know worthwhile and can give you some some good stuff and that's that's not a lot of margin for error because it's like you get a couple of those guys in a slump hitting and you some of those pitchers get into a slump of their own and it's like well you you fall right off the wagon again yeah and they're doing all this without that's their best pitcher, and he's not even pitching, and they're yeah. killing it. I'm going to say uh, they'll, they'll fall off. They'll the season, like, hard spot next year, 91. Uh, 78 and 84. We're back. Or, uh, yeah. Shoot, man. I mean, I'd be happy with 78 wins. Are you kidding? Like, I'd be thrilled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After the just – incredibly depressing lows of the last five years i would i'd be thrilled with 78 wins that's a yeah that'd be great but that also means that they would have to keep up this kind of pace or a similar kind of pace to it uh 
come the end of the year, which, you know, there's a lot of baseball left to play. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the most actual baseball analysis that's ever been recorded on, on this show by far. <laughs> Legitimate, legitimately. That's why we need to have that. That's why we have never talked baseball. That's true. We needed Avery the whole time to unlock. Look, we also man, need the Orioles I'm to not, not be atrocious. I'm not even much of a baseball dude myself. I'll be honest. Like, yeah. The oh, Orioles be being though. as be. horrendous as they've been the last few years. Like, I'm not going to lie. It really turned me off to, to watching and tuning in. Cause, oh, yeah, that happened to me too. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ryan, I applaud you for kind of sticking through some of it. I know you, you've probably been more of a fan than I have certainly over the last couple of years, but yeah, I don't know. I just like, I mean, some people are diehard fans no matter what and will go and support the team. But for me, it's like, I'm not going to go support them unless there's an actual effort on management and on ownership's part to try and put a competitive team on the field. And it was more than obvious the last couple of years. They just weren't even trying at all. And I get nope. that a rebuild takes time, but I have no interest in you know, sitting through awful baseball for five plus years just for the hope that, you know, a good team will, will come down the road. And the Orioles have never had success in my lifetime anyway with developing any good pitchers or really devoting <laughs> much time or effort to their farm system. God, no. So, you know, I mean, for all of our lives, really, like they were garbage up until – you know, 2012, and then they had a couple of good years uh, where they showed some promise. You know, they made the playoffs a couple times, and then they went right back in the toilet, and they've been there ever since. So, I, I mean, I went into this rebuild thinking there's no telling when this is going to end, you know? Like, they yeah. were terrible for 15 years, and, you know, they, they lucked into a couple of good draft picks. Like, they – developed a lot of talent offensively. Their lineups for a couple of years were really freaking good, but yeah. the pitching staff was just always a problem for them. And yeah, I don't know. I went into this rebuild thinking they couldn't develop any pitchers for the last 15 years. What makes me think that they're going to go into this next rebuild and have any more success, you know? Yeah. I definitely had that same kind of feeling. Going was like hopefully this eight years really are rebuilding not just like cutting costs and being early. It's time to tell them that also, but I used to, like every single day, like I like the hours of baseball in the season. Um, like I would just I would just watch baseball all day every day because my team was good and like um, other games mattered. Baseball all summer, my team got better. And team is in is why this kind of of a good team. There's really nothing for you there. Like not good. Fortunately, as much as I do yeah. love baseball and want to love baseball, like a bad a bad football team and a bad basketball team playing their sport can still be a pretty fun product. Yeah, baseball. Like, look, the Oklahoma, like Oklahoma City, the Thunder. They have Shea Gilgis Alexander who can go out and score, you know, 30 points a game just about, uh, you know, something like that. 
a bad football team can have some guys here and there. And it's it, football. It's only 16 games or college football is only 12 games, 13 games. So it's like, you're not, it's not a whole commitment. Baseball is 162 games. And if your team is terrible, that is an incredibly heavy commitment. <laughs> yeah. I also think it's more, I think it's funnier too. Like if you're, if your basketball team is bad, it can kind of be funny, you know, because basketball is a fast-paced sport. Like, if somebody blows an open layup or, you know, blows an open dunk on a break or something, like, that's funny, you know. If they have a yeah. bad pass or something that flies into the stands, whatever, it's funny because, it, you know, you know your team's bad, and basketball games are generally pretty short. They're not all that long. So, you can get your laughs in, and you can kind of watch the rest of the game, go about your day. Both baseball, I think it's different when your team sucks because you need outs to advance further into the game. It's not like a timed sport, you know? And if your team sucks yeah. to the point where, like, they can't make catches in the outfield or they can't throw guys out or they can't strike guys out, the game takes forever, you know? And it just keeps going. And that's, like, that's when the boredom sets in and it's not fun to watch anymore. You know what I mean? I, that I need for the Orioles. I need like a 10 to 20 minute mini documentary on interviews from as many people as possible who were Orioles fans who went to the 30 to three game against the Texas Rangers. Oh my God. <laughs> and sat through it. Yeah. People, that's what I mean. Yeah. People who sat through the entire game. <laughs> it, it went so insane. I kind of have to stay here because it's historical is happening. Yeah, you just laugh through it. The best yeah. part of it, three to nothing in that game. That's that's <laughs> incredible. I always forget that part. Oh God, yeah, that's the magic of Orioles, years, man. That's the magic of Orioles baseball. Those uh, were dark times. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, the so Sidney Ponson and Daniel Cabrera years, man. Oh, Daniel Cabrera, <laughs> just the worst. The worst. Rodrigo Lopez. Oh, yeah, we're gonna. We could literally spend an entire episode just doing remember some guys from like 1998 to 2010 Orioles players. Oh, much all the we've ever. That's all. That's that's 90 percent of of this podcast baseball talk has been. Yeah, that takes years off my life. Man. Has has just been. Hey, remember uh, remember Nolan Reimold? <laughs> yeah, God, he was good some, too. He had remember some... Melvin Mora. I love Melvin Mora, dude. I met Melvin Mora at the e- Felix PA. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I met Melvin Mora at the uh, the ESPN Zone at the Inner Harbor, which is now the Hard Rock oh, Cafe yeah. by the uh, by the aquarium. That, man. Yeah, good times. Yep. Robert Andino. And Luke Scott. <laughs> yeah. Names. Gotham. Yeah. All right. So, Avery, we have a question that we've now begun asking. Uh, all of our guests. I think you literally popped in as Marley was giving number five on, on this top five list. Uh, it was go for it. Your top five favorite fast food restaurants. Literally just hours ago, uh, Avery and I were part of the, the TV 10 broadcast of American Legion baseball for the, uh, the Berkeley post 14 Hornets uh, against, uh, well, they were playing at Hampshire high school. They were uh, playing against post 56 of uh, King Kingwood or Kingswood, whatever. Who cares? Uh, and we afterwards we ate at Ryan's number one fast food restaurant, Bojangles. 
Really? That's your number one, Ryan? Huh. Bojangle. Okay. Oh, man. Now you got <laughs> I will start oh, my geez. chicken. Is somebody else? Is I'm not going to say Bojangle's best chicken. Like, I'll say where they shine. Is their chicken combined with all their sides and their sweet tea? I think they'd be the best fast food tea. I think you're right about that one for sure. And I think you put all the have a good aesthetic. Um, they have good, good color sauces. scheme. And like, well, I mean, it, I I adore it. The biscuit is like the best biscuit. So, um, yeah, Bojangles. It, it is a good. It is a good biscuit. I had the uh, the Cajun chicken fillet biscuit sandwich. Mm. Uh, with the potato rounds, it's Gosh. just a, it, it, a fast food meal doesn't get much better than that. So Avery, we we want we would uh, like to ask of you your top five favorite fast food restaurants. We're kind of we didn't uh, give you time to pre-plan this. So I did I did give this to to Marley ahead of time, uh, and Abby when we fir- when we first asked her, but uh, we're springing this on you impromptu. But I, I think I think you can I think. You can handle this, this task. Yeah, this is tough. This is tough, man. This is tough. Um, I mean, look, I will say that in local broadcasting, there are times when you have to go to games pretty quickly and you don't have enough time to make a meal at your place or whatever. So I have eaten way too much fast food, way more than I should have. Um, I should not let my doctor hear anything that we're about to talk about. Um, <laughs> so there's no, there right. are no doctors listening to this podcast. So at least I hope not. Good. All right. <laughs> I'm going to start. Maybe Colin's saying, dead. This is probably a very basic take that um, I haven't heard Abby or Marley's take on it, but I'm sure they'll have this on their list as well. Uh, and I will start by saying that I do not agree with any of their political stances whatsoever, but <laughs> kind of gave it away. I mean, like, um, but I got to go Chick-fil-A, man. I really do. I, hey, you know, Chick- feel free Chick- to roast me, but no, listen, Chick-fil-A was Marley's number one. I believe Chick-fil-A was Abby's number one, unless it was Popeye's. Chick-fil-A is also my number one. Cause you know, I, I'm a sucker for a good Chick-fil-A milkshake, man. Like, oh, the cookies, cookies and cream. And cream. Yes, 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 you get it. You get it. Oh, my God. A cookies and cream milkshake. Those things are to die for, man. Those are so good. So good. I went to the one uh, after work, Dylan. I went after we, we did a game for R&R to the one in Charlestown. And, you know, it was like a, a Sunday or whatever. Like, it was after a Legion game. And so I was like, you know what? It's been a long day. Don't normally work on Sundays. So I'm going to treat myself with a Chick-fil-A milkshake. I go up. And I don't know. I'm, I'm going in the drive-thru. And I don't know if this is just like a branch-per-branch branch kind of thing. Or if it's like uh, like a national thing now. I don't know. But I went up to him. Or like a supply chain shortage thing. But I went up and I asked for a milkshake and uh, I thought they would have different sizes, you know, because typically they have like the large one or the regular one or whatever. 
But this one in Charlestown only had the regular size shake, which is so much smaller than, you know, the, the, the big one, what it should be. And I was just greatly disappointed that I couldn't get the largest milkshake. Because you can't get a small cookies and cream Chick-fil-A milkshake. You know what I mean? Like, you got to go big or go home mm. when you get one of those things. That, I, was, that was a gut punch. I, I, I noticed a problem in your, in your story. You, you, you said this was on a Sunday. Oh, my God. You're right. <laughs> I, I, probably not on a Sunday then. I thought you were. I thought what you were going to say was literally what Mar, uh, when we were talking to Marley. It was like I feel like I always want Chick Fil A on a Sunday. I think there's oh, yeah. been. I think there's been twice that I've literally drive, driven from my house. And like I'm going to go to Chick Fil A, and then I literally get to the Chick Fil A, and I'm like, huh, it's empty. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> oh wait. Yeah. So. I guess what? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's incredibly good chicken. The Chick-fil-A sauce is my favorite sauce, maybe in general. It's up there with the Popeye Sweet Heat. If it's if it's not one, it's two. Uh, it's just the chicken as a sandwich, the chicken as nuggets. It's It's just, you can't beat it. Chick-fil-A fries, too. I'm a sucker for waffle fries, man. Yeah, they're not my favorite fries, but I, they're just so different from other ones that it's like a, it's like a, welcome, it's a welcome change. Yeah. I'm a waffle fries care. They that's, that's a good point. That's yeah, a good point right true. there. You got yeah, a lot of sauce. It's like a little like. boat for sauce. You know, you can just kind of rest it on top and, yeah. Yeah. All right, Avery, your number two favorite fast food restaurant. Uh, number two, um, I, I'm kind of basing my list right now on restaurants that I frequent the most and also the ones that I enjoy the most, which I guess they're kind of one and the same. Um, would you, would both of you count tropical smoothie as fast food? Oh, this is not something I'd considered. I've never been to a tropical smoothie. Oh, really? really? No. <laughs> wow. I know that there's one close. In more like in yeah, there's the one in Martinsburg. I've been there a million times. I would probably say that Tropical Smoothie is number two on my list because oh, wow. I've been there a bunch. And yeah, their smoothies are, are excellent. Not I on the level that smoothie. a Chick-fil-A milkshake is, but. A tad too pricey for me in terms of like yeah. me wanting a smoothie. <laughs> I just never want one. But it's something ever. <laughs> because their smoothies are delicious I, I feel like without having ever been to one that tropical smoothie feels like it falls under the fast casual uh subheading i think I would. that we that we went through with uh, chipotle uh with marley and uh five guys and like wing stop and uh, stuff fall under that so i guess it depends i'd say if you feel like counting it count it but i also uh i understand separating it out into a separate to a separate division, which is what I tend to do. All right. And then for number three on my list, um, let's see. I'll, uh, you know what? I'll put Dairy Queen at number three. I think yes. is a solid choice. Mm. 
Dairy I'm Queen goes underrated. Their, like their regular food, but blizzards are delicious. Can you kind of sense the trend of like I'm picking based <laughs> on like sweet things that these restaurants <laughs> offer? He went. He went milk milkshake smoothie, ice cream. Yeah, ice cream. Top three dairy thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so listen, my first ever job was a Dairy Queen and as a cook. So I actually. It somehow it was only for a summer, but I didn't learn to hate the food there because to me it's actually pretty pretty good. Like it's the chicken tenders are not as good as like you know one of your chicken places places known for their chicken, but they are good chicken tenders, and the gravy with them is good. The burgers are pretty good. The chicken, the like crispy chicken sandwich, also good. Fries kind of mid. They have onion rings though. That's a plus. So, uh, yeah, I think the food is good enough to where when you add that to the, the ice cream, it's like top five at least. So I understand, I understand having it that high. You get a chicken with the Sunday at the end. It's the perfect meal. For real. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, the ice cream just really puts it over the top, you know, like, I'm, I mean, I'm fine with their burgers, you know. Like, I don't think I've ever gotten their chicken tenders before, but their burgers are oh. perfectly oh, wow. average, you know. Like, they're their just... That... Yeah, at least. It's like, yeah, it's like, if you're going to get food from Dairy Queen, get the chicken tenders. Kind of thing. But yeah, right, let's number four. You got number four. Number four. Number four. Um, all right, let me think here. I'll well, so go you with have... Wendy's at number four. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, they, I, I like Wendy's. I think I like Wendy's more than other people like Wendy's. Like that's not really a popular choice, I don't think. But yeah, our know, friend Garrett, bad. our friend Garrett, uh, has Wendy's as his number one. And but wow. the thing about Garrett is that uh, he he has a lot of bad thoughts about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So it's not great company, but you only you only have a number four. So it's yeah, true. It's it's on the lower end. You know? Yeah, it's like Frosties, the four for four, the, the crispy yeah. chicken sandwich, good burger, good fries. You know, and it's I, just a, it's good like quality. Spicy I'm, I'm... nuggets as well. Their spicy oh, yeah. nuggets are, are pretty good. Oh yeah, I'll take those for sure. And I also I I give them some bonus points for their lemonades. Their like their strawberry lemonade is really good. I got their mango lemonade last time I was there. So, you know, not too many, like, varied lemonade options at other fast food places, I think. But their their lemonades are top-notch. Yeah. All right, number five. Of, I have a lot of lovers in my life. Not it's kind of rough, but um, they got good stuff. I'm not reading about it, though. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then number five. We rounded um, out our list here. We'll say there is an omission that I feel like everyone that we've asked this question to on the show so far has had in at least their top three. Uh, can I guess McDonald's? Or is that too Not, basic? I was thinking of Popeye's. Yeah, okay. So, I, my thing, Ryan, don't take any offense to this, but I kind of feel like those chicken places like Popeye's and Bojangles, they're good, don't get me wrong, but... I don't know. They're just, they're very similar to me. Like there's not a whole lot that I can differentiate them on, you know? Okay. I like their chicken sandwich. Their chicken sandwich is very good, but 
their sides are kind of average. You know, their their tea is typical sweet tea to me. It doesn't doesn't really stand yeah. out. I will say that um, probably just purely based on taste, I'd pick the Popeyes sandwich over the Chick Fil A sandwich. But I put Chick Fil A first on my list because I've been there so many times. You know, like the 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 familiarity aspect I think puts it over. For five, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Sonic. Uh, oh, when I was a kid, I went to Sonic all the time. There was a Sonic. Um, I grew up in northern Baltimore County, and there was a Sonic right on York Road, which is like the main drag uh, back where I lived, where. It'll take you into Baltimore. It'll take you into Towson, like a lot of big areas. I was gonna, there. I was gonna ask if this is the Towson area because my, yeah, my yep. family, my family's from Baltimore County as well. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So this is right in Towson, uh, like Lutherville, Timonium area. Ah. And there's a Sonic on York Road that I used to go to all the time when I was younger. Like when I was a little kid, my mom would take me there. My parents worked around there, so they'd take me like if I went into work with them or something, and yeah, I just have like, you know, solid childhood uh, memories of Sonic. So I don't really go there that much anymore, especially because there aren't too many around here from what I've seen. But I'll uh, I'll put it there. Their slushes are are pretty high quality. So that's my five. Oh, it's a strong. Five. I don't. I think that's the first time Sonic's gotten a mention anytime we've uh, we've gone through these lists. So. I, I've just not been to like I've been to Sonic like once or twice, but that's that's about it. I don't think I've ever had Sonic life. Wow, and there's one in Winchester, still right? Winchester, just have it, not having one ever. It's for convenient to me. Just never had it. One of those yeah. things. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's Avery's top five, and I think that's uh, that's about all we got for. Uh, for you Avery and I think in general uh for us as well because yeah. uh, this is this is going to be our longest episode <laughs> wow we I'm honored. Of... <laughs> At this point we kind of could <laughs> it could be like if you upload the uh the Marley episode and you listen to it first you get the you get the sneak peek of the the Avery episode <laughs> yeah hey I like that I'm with it but yeah. do I get a credit as a as a guest in both parts? No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> I think you would kind of have to because yeah. you're on both. But and we'll Legally. see. We might just upload an hour and a half uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's a long episode because I, I assume that was with filled with natural light. Oh yeah, uh, Same, yeah. Now I'm I'm sitting in a. I just have yep. to turn up and get the. I turned on my light in the middle of the episode. All right. I'm here. It's just the... <laughs> in a quiet room. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all right. Blue light, man. That's all I got right now, too. Just just the laptop <laughs> screen. That's all. Right. Awesome. Yep. Of course. Yep. Highly disputed. Dylan Bishop, Brian Stickle, Avery Newport. Shout out to Marley McLaughlin as well. That's all Go we Rams. got. Go Rams. Mm-hmm. <laughs>